Hey, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for MLB, NFL. It'll be here before you know it. PGA Tour and oh so much more. And great new and existing user promos that make FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings in as quick as two hours. And of course, any day there's a game going on, you can play the same game parlay, multiple bets from the same game. Game, and you can discover the most popular ones each day right when you log in. Speaking of which, if you're new, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started ASAMP. Just make sure you sign up with the promo code MINUS3. It's the word MINUS, the number three, so they know we sent you Eddie Spaghetti. We don't have a moment to waste. Let's start this show. MINUS3 with Dave Damaschek. Oh my yes, a very special guest is waiting in the wings. Hi and hello, welcome to Minus 3. Eddie Spaghetti, I hope you're ready to roll. I know you are rolling, not unlike your New York Yankees, playing 730 ball on track to win like 118 or so games. If they can keep up that pace, they're about a week away from paying a visit to the Phenom. Onel Cruz and his pals on the banks of the Three Rivers right around July 4th. That's upcoming there. The Metropolitans, the best team on the National League side of things, Metropolitan's Yanks. I don't know if it's popular across baseball America, but I think that would be a grand world series um, in the capital of the world. I'm rooting for that one. What I'm not rooting for, but it is starting to track in that direction, Josh Yoey, our pal from The Athletic, um, who we have on to talk puck now in the afterglow of the Colorado Avalanche winning their third cup. Is that their third cup, Eddie Spaghetti? That's right, isn't it? They won two in the late 90s. Right, exactly, yes. And Joe Sackick, Joe Sackick now emerging. You know, I've always said there's no um, single figure who's meant more to one franchise in North American sports history than Mario Lemieux. Obviously saved the franchise by his presence, getting drafted at 18 and being exciting and great. That brought fans into the seats. And then they win those Cubs. And then because they owe him money, he buys a percentage of the team and saves them from getting moved and all of that. He saved them basically three times. But now Joe Sackick, he goes from winning a couple of Cups for the Avs and now put this team together, I think we have to consider his place in that hierarchy of things. Certainly more than what Jordan or Gretzky did, all-time greats, but they didn't mean as much to one franchise as Joe Sackick has to the Colorado Avalanche. Um, anyway, Malkin, according to Josh Yoey, may never play again for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That would be a bummer for me. Um, I say I'm a, I'm a sentimentalist, as you know. I say, listen, these guys have won cups together. Keep them together for the next three years. They're not going to turn into a bum team all of a sudden. They'll still be relevant. They'll still make the playoffs. They'll send Crosby off into uh, into the stratosphere of one of the five greatest players of all time. He has three cups already. I think that's reason enough to keep Malkin if they can make the money work. But anyway... Enough of that. What were you going to say, Spaghetti? You had something to well, say. Well, I was just going to bring up, I mean, Joe, brought up Joe Sackick and his resume. I mean, two Stanley Cups as a player, as we said, a World Junior gold medal, an Olympic gold medal, a World Championship, a World Cup, a Conn Smythe trophy, a Hart trophy, a Lady Bing trophy. And then now you're saying building this um, this Colorado Avalanche team who hasn't won a cup since 2001, which I know is not that long of a stretch. But, you know, what's really impressive, too, of what he did is it's not like they're having the number one pick year after year after year. He's building a great roster. 
with, uh, you know, with mid middle round picks, late round picks, they're finding guys in free agency that just fill a, a huge need guys like, you know, Nazem Khadr is a good example of a guy who has kind of given up on it with a few teams and he comes over here and he becomes a star scoring, a, you know, important goals. Obviously coming back from that, that thumb injury and just really besides like Steve Eiserman, who was obviously a great player in his own right and him taking over Tampa. Although you could say that Tampa's roster was like kind of in place, but Joe Sackett really did uh, build this up, obviously getting a, a star like McKinnon, finding a guy like McCarr in the draft, having Landis Cog there as your, as your captain. Um, so really uh, a hat tip there to, to Joe Sackett and the Colorado Avalanche having an unbelievable season. Uh, something that we all kind of knew they were the favorite going into this year and they were a, lo- a fun team to watch. Um, you know, what a strange ending to the season of having you have the West, uh, the West Conference teams with the Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers, obviously having major goaltending issues and they have the Eastern Conference teams, the Rangers, the Lightning with probably the two best goaltenders in the league and these kind of weird different styles clashing and it goes to show like what's the most important thing in, in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs is it the hot goalie or is it having you know an offense that can score goals whenever you need to and it seems like the uh, the goal scoring there won out so just a, a great NHL season I'm very glad it was back on ESPN TNT it felt like a legitimate sport again the casual fans are watching um, really two fun teams to watch there a great series and uh, you know again I'll, I'll miss it but I'm looking forward to uh, next year's uh, season you're just saying uh, that because you think so. your blue shirts it's going to be their turn next year they'll be in the mix they'll be in the mix tampa, and it's going to tampa it's, ain't there's a lot of good this, teams this, though this has to end at some point it can't keep going tampa cannot keep making deep playoff runs in the age of free agency in hockey those two months are too much um i think the big takeaway is first of all we thought we've been talking lately on minus three a lot about that a good conversation about um dominant styles from an individual or from an entire team and forcing the entire league to adopt or maybe bend the rules or change the rules to um, make it tougher. Golf did that. The Masters tried to do that to Tiger Woods and and so on and so forth. A, a, a million examples there. But one, I think the Colorado Avalanche and any number of other teams showed that speed, speed, speed is the way to get it done in the NHL now. And the other thing is from a front office standpoint, you mortgage the future. This jive, I've been saying this for a long time. This thing about the holding on to draft picks. Oh, precious draft picks. Oh, we can't trade prospects. Oh, we can't give three prospects. That guy's going to be good in four or five years. Who knows what is going to happen in the future, as we've learned repeatedly from uh, from current uh, events beyond just sports. Who knows what tomorrow holds? Go for it now. The Rams did it. They got a Lombardi. The Avs did it. They've got a Stanley Cup. It's the way to do things in the age of free agency. And... To I mean, team that really has done it for a long time is the New York Yankees, um, since they haven't had to bother with a salary cap and concerns like that. You can bet them plus 180. That's the chalk pick for obvious reasons out of the American League. Mets still behind the Dodgers in terms of NL contenders at plus 350. If you want to combine those two, if you're a New York centric or you want to see that series, plus 1160 for a Metropolitans v. Yanks World Series is a fun bet there. Do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. And now, Eddie Spaghetti, let's get to it, the main event. We have so much to talk about. And Deshaun Watson, it's ugly stuff. He's meeting as we speak right now with, um, with the NFL justice person who's going to levy the game suspension. I think it's at minimum going to be a year where Baker Mayfield lands, what this all means to him. I've been saying Baker Mayfield, if they were to call him, would probably laugh. He more or less can uh, um, 
confirmed that that would be his response on Tuesday morning by saying we've both moved on. Of course, it would be ridiculous to ask Baker Mayfield after everything that's happened. Hey, for old time's sake, come show you. You're under contract. There's no way any other team would hold it against him. He would be well within his rights to laugh at them. And I think that's exactly what would go on. The Pittsburgh Steelers always intriguing. And then there's Joe Burrow in the news for his off the field remarks. Positive if you are progressive. Negative if you're conservative. But uh, one thing we can all agree on is that one of the most entertaining talkers when it comes to pro football and the game of life is Ike Taylor. Let's talk to him right now, shall we? But first, it is Tuesday, and on FanDuel Sportsbook, that means it's Tuesday dinger time. Go yard all summer long with $5 dinger Tuesdays. This season, all customers get $5 for every home run hit by both teams when you place a $25 to hit a home run wager on Tuesday MLB games. And the best part about Dinger Tuesday is even if your bet loses, FanDuel's going to pay you $5 for every home run. Eddie Spaghetti, it's once again your time to shine. Take it away. Who's going yard today? Well, I hope I have better luck uh, this time. My, my, my pick last week, Paul Goldschmidt, was pulled from the game before it even started because of his injury. So, you know, I picked a bunch of guys for the MVP race with Goldschmidt, and I picked Trout, and I picked Judge. But I'm going to go with the, the Dodgers here, uh, our local team. And Clayton Kershaw is pitching tonight versus the Rockies. They're in Colorado. And I'm not going to go with the obvious pick here, one of the bigger home run hitters. I'm going to go with a guy, Justin Turner, uh, versus Kyle Freeland, he has uh, 43 at bats. He's batting 302, so he clearly could hit this guy. I know he doesn't have the power numbers this year. He only has like four home runs. I know it's probably easier to pick a Trey Turner. It's probably easier to pick a Muncie, uh, Freddie Freeman, Bellinger. But I like Justin Turner here. You can get pretty good odds in it with plus 370. So if he hits one, you're going to have a, a good payout there. And I like him to fill up the, you know, the hole of Mookie Betts not being in the lineup. He has some pop in his bat. I still trust uh, Justin Turner to be an effective bat for the Dodgers down the stretch here. So I'm going to go not with the guy in the MVP race. I'm going to go with Justin Turner, the redhead, plus 370 to hit run tonight versus the Colorado Rockies. Match is so nice with that red number that is on the Dodgers uniform. If you took that red number away, they would just be the Kansas City Royals. Either way, there's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sports book. Just be sure you head over to FanDuel or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. If you haven't already, sign up using the promo code minus three to pick your home run hitter. Again, promo code minus three, the word minus the number three. All right, it is indeed a grand day here on Minus 3. That's because our all-time favorite, he is a Shecky Award winner. He's on the Digital Wall of Fame for eternity. You hear him on Believe in Steelers with our guy Mark Bergen as well, their Steelers-based podcast. Um, He is the owner. He's an entrepreneur in many regards. One-of-a-kind cigars, track him down. He's training the next generation of defensive backs and beyond down in Florida, one of whom is his son, Ivan, who's already been offered scholarships from big hitting schools like Michigan and Pitt. Shame the devil if he winds up at Penn State, though. We're talking about number two, four, my all-time favorite Pittsburgh Steeler, Ike Taylor. What's the poop, fella? Take a check. You know, it's always good to get on this show with you, bro. 
Yes, yes. What a pleasure to see you. It's been way too long. What's the poop? What's going down? I see you on social media, smoking cigars with celebrities and otherwise. Train always, always sweaty, always sweaty. What's with the? It's a brag ultimately. It's a humble brag. Look at me. I'm in shape. I know. You know. Whatever. Um, what what's uh, going down in your world these days besides the muzzle tub to you on Ivan? That's a that's amazing, man. Yeah, you know, Shaq, just just hanging out with these young kids, working out with my son, working out with my nephews. It's just you got to be in some kind of shape because you know these kids. When it comes down to training, they have no filter, you know, and they and they and they still to this day they won't try you. So they say you got to be ready instead of getting ready. So I'm always ready. But on the other note, with my son, man, it's just kind of like. It's been like a blessing for me because, you know, I've, I was a walk-on. We all know that. And just to see the work that my son put in 24-7, seven days a week, just to see him get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I don't have to tell him twice to do it. Hmm. Just to see him be consistent. You know what I'm saying? It, I'm a very proud dad of that. And I just I just let him do his own thing. Like I told him, he was like, Dad, what you want from me? I said, man, I'm just going to ride your coattail. I don't want nothing from you. I want you to experience everything on your own. And you've, you've so far been giving me experience of everything I didn't do, you know, so I appreciate you. So he's just a good kid, Shaq, a good soul. Um, I have no problem with him, A's and B's, on the road, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Like, just all that good stuff. So Ivan, for me, just been a blessing to me. So, man, I just, I'm a proud dad for real, Shaq. So just going through this process with him has been something different, but in a good way. Well, you know, you know, I hear that and I always uh, describe you as one of the, the great paradoxes of human beings that I've ever met. You know, you're you're as funny as it gets, but uh, but as sharp as it gets, too. And let's talk some pro football here. Um, and uh, like I say, I want I want to be kibitzing with you a lot as uh, pro football season approaches here. We got to well, believe it or not. What do we have like? 65 75 days something like that it'll be here before you know it and people are already buzzing on the banks of the three rivers and let's start right there with the headline question everybody's been asking who do you think's the number one starter who starts week one for the pittsburgh steelers i don't know if you heard ben roethlisberger retired um so they had to figure out what they're going to do at that position here so they drafted kenny pickett but before they did that in the first round they signed mitchell trubisky late of buffalo by way of Chicago, or is it by way of Chicago? Wait, by way, he was drafted by Chicago by way above. Anyway, who gives a shit? What, uh, who do you think is the week one starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, Well, I've said this, and I think Mitchell Trubisky. And the reason why Mitchell Trubisky will start is, you know, we always say, man, the grass ain't always greener. But if you, if you look at where Mitchell Trubisky was at one point in time, he was in Chicago. I'm not going to say the grass was bad over there. But at the same time, he wound up going to Buffalo, even though he was a backup. Of course, obviously, Josh Allen is going to be a premier, you know, quarterback for the next 10 years in this league. But for Josh Allen to give Mitchell Trubisky praise on how athletic, how athletic he is, how good of a guy he is, how good of a quarterback he is. Now, Mitchell Trubisky is really going to where the grass is green, because I don't think Mitchell Trubisky ever had a trio like these receivers with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think, and this is no disrespect, Mitchell Trubisky ever had a coaching staff like he's about to have with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky, other than his first year, because he had a solid, a, a heck of a defense in Chicago his first year with the Pittsburgh Steelers that he have now. So I'm just looking at 
okay, you got a guy who's been in the league for a while. And I, look, I know a lot of people have been saying, man, he's just bridging the gap and he's holding the torch until Kenny Pickett get ready. But, man, it's a little bit, it's a, it's a, it's a different day these days, Shaq. Like, nowadays, it's good to have, it's good for your backup to be trade bait. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying Kenny Pickett will be a trade bait, but if you just look at where it's going right now, you want two good quarterbacks that's sitting on your team. So, right now, today, if we was to start the season, I'm going to go with Mitchell Trubisky because I think he's right now ready for the league. And I don't think he's ever had what he's about to have for Pittsburgh in his career. I Well, I, I more or less agree with you. One, I think Trubisky um, starts the season. We'll see how long he can take that before Kenny Pickett gets in there. Um, and I'm a pedigree snob still. <clears throat> this guy did, whether it was wise or not, in football terms, went ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Um, so obviously the tal- talent evaluator saw something. Why, by from what you can see, looking at the tape, looking at the Chicago days, why... Isn't Mitchell Trubisky still in Chicago serving as the franchise QB and being built around and making 40 plus million dollars and all of that? What went wrong for him and why is Pittsburgh going to be able to correct that? Coaching. You know, I mean, you you, you are a product of your coaching staff. And I, I don't think he had a good coaching staff who was helping them progress. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, it's not Mitchell Trubisky's fault that he went high enough in the draft. Like, if everybody thought he was that guy at some point in time and they wind up drafting him, then he was that guy. And that's what I be trying to tell people, like, a lot of times. Just because a guy went high, it's not that guy's fault. Now, just because you might have high expectations for him and they don't work out, it's not his fault as well. But at the same time, you, a lot of your guys who go high in a, in a draft, they're going to organizations who just okay. They're going to coaching staffs where they have carousels every three or four years. So there is no really stability when it comes down to that. When you watch these teams who have stability other than the Tom Brady, when you watch the L.A. Rams, when you watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, when you watch the, 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 the Ravens, when you watch the, the Kansas City Chiefs, when you watch these teams and you're like, dang, we're just recycling these last five teams in the Super Bowl because it's stability part. So that's why I'm not going to put everything on Mitchell Trubisky when it comes down to it, I think now that he sees or now he sees that he has a lot of stability, man, he's going to be all the way good in my mind. I, li- I I agree with all that. And I agree with the sort of like the general notion of that the Steelers coaching staff is strong and culture. And you always hear about that. And it does feel different from guys that play in different organizations. They say, boy, there's something different about the way Coach T on down runs the show there and all of that. But specifically and practically, it's Matt Canada who's going to be in his ear. Do you? Th- I mean, I feel like unless I'm misreading this. This like it's like we're all in on what Matt Canada wants to do. And as far as I can interpret that in X and O uh, from an X and O standpoint is a lot of jet sweep, a lot of rolling the QB out, trying to get him on the edge and threaten the defense with his legs. And he's a big dude. We've talked about that a lot. He is the, the thing that you don't realize about Mitch Trubisky is. He's a 6'4 guy who can truck you. He's got more Josh Allen or Cam Newton to his game than he does Lamar Jackson or Mike Vick. I think that's a legit threat as well. Um, but do you buy the idea that Matt Canada is up for this task? That, yeah. I mean, that, to me, is a big question with the offense. They built up the offensive line some, maybe not as much as people would like. I think they're loaded up a pass catcher. Najee, if he stays healthy, is good. So now the question is, can Matt Canada, is he the right guy to bring this all together? 
He was handicapped last year. I mean, Big Ben was, you know, I think Big Ben, my personal opinion, Big Ben wasn't the Big Ben of old. So Big Ben couldn't move out the pocket. Big Ben couldn't do things that Matt Canada wanted him to do. So Matt Canada uh, basically last year just had to bow down and make the offense towards Big Ben. So I, I think now to sitting in the pocket, other than your Tom Brady, you got to have some kind of mobility. Shaq, that's where the league is going to. You know, if you just look at, look at how the league is drafting, mm-hmm. they're smaller defensive linemen. And the reason why they draft in smaller defensive line because they want their line to get to get to the quarterback, you know, put some kind of pressure on them. So that's what it was. Like, it, it, it's not Matt Canada's fault. Matt Canada really couldn't do nothing to a future Hall of Fame quarterback. What you going gonna to come in and say, man, I'm going to change the offense? Nah, seven, like, nah, we're going to do exactly what I'm going to do. It's just, it's just at the time, and when it came down to making plays, the, team, the offense weren't able to make plays because – of Seven's inability to not be the old Seven he once was. And that's why you, when you put – it's a new vibe right now, Sheck. It's, it's a new energy right now. Like, dang, if you just look at the offensive lineman, like, offensive lineman, like, okay, so I don't have to stay on my block for four seconds. Like, I got a guy who's able to scramble and who moves. So now I got a quarterback where Ben used to be able to do it. Now I got a quarterback who can extend plays. And that's how you got to look at it. So Matt Canada, now, yeah, he can drop whatever he want to drop. Now, there's – there is no ceiling to his playbook now that he has two mobile quarterbacks in my mind. Well, it's also funny, too, like the the people are quick to go glass half empty on Kenny Pickett. Like, why'd they draft the guy if they have Trubisky? Trust me, everybody, that'll be a great problem if Mitchell Trubisky is so good that uh, Kenny Pickett doesn't touch the field. The belly aching about that is is just love. That's people trying to make trouble. And as I say repeatedly, if Cliff Kingsbury provides pro football nothing else going forward, he showed that you can use a first-round draft pick on a guy one year, and if you're not happy with him, you can draft another guy the next year. It's not the end of the world if you burn a first-round draft pick and that guy doesn't become uh, a Pro Bowl-level player. A guy who's borderline, well, he is a a Pro Bowler, I think, literally, but who's in a a weird spot because here comes George Pickens and he looks like a stud. And Chase Claypool has a chance at least to turn around and even in a down sophomore year was still a pretty good year. And there's Pat Fryermuth and there's some interesting guys, Miles Boykin and Anthony Miller. But Deontay Johnson was everything to the offense a year ago, with all due respect to to Najee, what made them go and gave them a, a, a borderline pro offense was Deontay Johnson's production how do you assess him now because like you say it was all like as soon as the ball touched Roethlisberger's hands it was back out to more often than not to number 18 but do you do you sign him long term the Steelers don't like to give the second contracts and we're talking probably what 18 to 20 million for this guy if you're the GM and by the way I say it all the time, Paradox, one of the great player-level player, player level guys ever, but also I watched you text and negotiate on behalf of your ex-teammates with Kevin Colbert. I watched you literally do that for certain guys. I won't uh, invoke their names here, but you know personnel. It, with the salary cap where it is and you have the luxury of Trubisky not making a lot in a rookie QB, do you sign Deontay Johnson long-term or not? Yeah. I mean, you, you you saw the electricity when Deontay was out. I remember watching that Buffalo playoff game, and I think he dropped like two balls in a row. They sat him out for a series, and it, the offense didn't look the same. Then when he came back in, he made a few plays. You're like, okay, 
he really is the 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 firecracker to this to this offense. You know, they were searching for other guys. Other guys had opportunities to be that firecracker, but something about Deontay, he's just a little bit different. So of course you got to get him signed. Now will they get him signed? I don't know. So he, they they I think they'll I think they'll tag him next year. But at the same time, you know how we feel, and I've been saying tag him. If they tag him, then he's making given the contracts that were handed out the last few months, he'd be in the low twenties at that point, right? Yeah, it wouldn't matter. It's just for a year. So when they tag it, basically, what I'm saying is either you're gonna play this year out, or we're gonna work on the contract before the season starts. So the tag isn't isn't actually a problem if you look at it like that from a from a general manager slash agent agent standpoint. So. Yeah, you can tag anybody you want to. Now, now the player might be mad, but at the same time, like we're tagging to get this, we're tagging to get this, uh, to get this long-term deal done. We just need to tag you to hold you to make sure you don't go nowhere else. So yeah, if they don't, if they don't get a deal done by uh by the by training camp, then now nah, they won't get a deal. But my personal opinion, if I'm if I'm Deontay, I'm I'm a sign. And and I'm and I'm gonna tell my agent too. And I said this on my show, the Believe in Network show. I'm gonna tell my agent, they do me the same thing with Dak did. See Dak, see see Dak now. Dak made seventy five million in damn near less than twelve months, right? Now his salary, his salary won't be nothing in the next couple of years. But hell, he's gonna wind up making the same amount of money as everybody else. So I get seventy five million in twelve months. Then after my twelve months, yeah, my salary do go down. But basically, everybody who y'all looking at with these big contracts, I'm in the same boat as them. I got more money up front than them in, in two years. These guys ain't seeing 75 and two. I'm seeing 75 and one. So if I'm Deontay, man, I'm talking to my agent like, okay, let's let, let's get a three year deal. Let me build my resume. Go on. I know I know it's not gonna look good towards the media. Front load, front load. Give me a big sign of bonus. I ain't really tripping on my salary, and I'll come back to the table in three years where I'm going to get that big bang if I'm Deontay. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're going to see what they say about that, but that's what I'll be doing. If I'm a player now, I'll be looking for that DAC contract all day, three, four-year deals, get that money front-loaded, and I'll come see y'all the next three or four years later where I know y'all got to pay me. You're talking bank account stuff, and that's how players should handle it. Fans get raw about that kind of stuff, but obviously you're playing uh, a sport where you're running into people on purpose. You should take care of yourself. One of the smartest things you ever told me that I think is, is absolutely right is you were offered bigger free agent deals from other, from other teams, and you said, but the Steelers as uh, from a culture standpoint, but also from an X and O standpoint, the way they want to use me, this is the right spot for me. And, and I wouldn't necessarily, my talent wouldn't necessarily travel and emerge if I went to any one of the other 31 teams. What's that? What's that? Is that true for Deontay or no? No, my talent, my talent will emerge for sure. But at, at the time in my position, I felt like I could have went anywhere. You just got to understand was, if somebody was going to give me a big contract, it was going to be a team that wasn't good, an organization that wasn't good. Then I was going to become a salary cap casualty. And if, a, and if another coach came in, he wanted me to at least take a pay cut or let me go. I, I, that's, that's, that's what I know for sure. So, yeah, at the time, we was getting these big contracts. I could have got a bigger contract, but I was going to go to a sad-ass team, Shaq. And I know if I went to a sad-ass team, who they going to look at? They're going to look at the coach, and they're going to look at the guy with the high salary. That's just what it is. Another coach, if he likes somebody better, 
then Ike Taylor, that's what he probably would have done. I'm going to release you or you're going to take a pay cut. So I was looking at the long term. That's how I was looking. I knew if I stayed in Pittsburgh, I'm going to see my whole contract. So that's exactly what happened. Peace of mind is kind of what you're getting at, really. So now on the defensive side, and it's a quarterback league, Ike. I don't know if you heard, but, uh, but you know, it's all offense these days. And the Steelers have Mike Tomlin, defensive mind, at the, at the peak of the mountain. But then under that, you now have Terrell Austin and Brian Flores. They're all loaded up from a coaching standpoint and from a player standpoint. Cam Hayward now. They they bring, oh, what a good Yinzer name that is too, by the way. Larry Ogunjobi. I, dude, Yin's here. Dude, you see who they got? They got uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, that dude. You know the dude when when Miles Garrett bonked uh, Mason on the head with his helmet. Yeah, that was Ogunjobi pushed Mason to the. I, I, that's going to be a great name to hear people in Pittsburgh talk about. But uh, Minka locked up now. T.J. Watt locked up. There are a potentially dominant defense in an era where no defense can really dominate, dominate. And you know, even twelve years ago, the last well, the Jags twenty eighteen or 2017, 2017, and then before that, the Super Bowl winning team that you were on that defense for. But there are very few examples of real dominant defenses. What's the wisdom, as far as you can tell, of what the Steelers are doing? They're loading up, it feels like, almost, I don't want to say wrong side of the ball, but they're focusing on something that very few other teams really are, which is to say defense. I mean, defense win championships. If you watch watch the L.A. Rams documentary, uh, Throughout the whole game, uh, Sean McVay, he's offensive-minded. He, he wasn't saying Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford. Every time when it came down to crunch time, he was saying, get him, A.D., get him, A.D., and that's Aaron Donald. So by the end of the day, you got to load. If you look at the L.A. Rams, they loaded on defense. They had the time the time they won, they loaded. They had Vaughn for a year, A.D., and, and Jalen. So you got to get loaded on defense. It's just now I got a quarterback, which I really need to get me over the hump, and that was Matthew Stafford. If you if you look at if you look at what um what the what the Tampa Bay Bucks did did to the Kansas City Chiefs when they won a the Super Bowl, them boys didn't even score a point. So it's all about a defense. What people gotta understand is that regular season football is good for fantasy points. It's a reason why fantasy they take away fantasy in the playoffs, because now it becomes defensive minded. And now the defensive coordinators, they get they rocks off on that. So yeah, it's not a it's not an offensive driven league. It's an offensive driven league during the regular season. But when it comes down to the playoffs, it's a defensive driven league. So that's how you, so they gotta load up. Now they feel like they got two young studs who are mobile between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. So man, if Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky, whoever starts, even though they might not be flaming their ball in or they might not be hot at the time, I know for sure I can run boots, roll them out, and scramble. I know for sure a few times in the game when it's third and five, if nobody's open, I know Mitchell can make a first down. I know Kenny can make a first down. Pittsburgh haven't had to say that in, in so many years, like three or four years with seven sitting back there. So, yeah, now you give them a defense. They got a defense now, and you just look at who been winning Super Bowls. It's been defensive-minded. But the offensive guys, they're going to roll through the regular play. Through the, uh, through the regular season. we I saw that personally. Like, Coach LeBeau didn't open his playbook till we got to the playoffs. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So everybody, oh, it's going offense. Nah, the rules are making it more where the offense is more protected. But by the end of the day, it's an old saying, defense wins championships. It did, and that's a fact. 
I say, you know what? I'm not saying this because now that's the premise of the Steelers' chances of success is to be defensively dominant and scratch right. out enough points. I do think when you are have a defensive mindset from the head coach on down as the Steelers are constructed now and without Roethlisberger, Hall of Famer, I think the, the notion is, like you say, de- dominate on defense and then scratch out just enough with a couple special plays with some athleticism and they do have that including a QB and they didn't have that the last couple years I really do think that you could see I you know I'm not talking about Mitchell Trubisky being a world beater and being one of the you know six or eight best QBs in the game but to your point the ability to roll him out and scratch out it's you you have to modify expectation he's not gonna Patrick Mahomes it for he's not gonna go out there and sling four touchdowns every Sunday for you but I do buy exactly Exactly what you're saying. If your defense is keeping teams at 20 or under, and then you can move Trubisky, or if it's pick it around and put some pressure on the defense with your legs and get the ball in the hands of some of these playmakers, I I I am, you know, I'm not you people always say tell me I'm overly optimistic about the Steelers. You know that's the opposite. You know, right. I'm waiting for doom and gloom. I no, do buy that the Steelers are above, I mean, certainly above seven and a half wins as as FanDuel and otherwise has them slotted right now. And I had them over the eight and a half people had them at last year. I think people are overly pessimistic about uh, the way this team is constructed right now. Yeah, but you know, I need to pay attention to that. But but at, at, at the same time, Shaq, I mean, seven went through it. When seven was a rookie, seven had, you know, a good defense and won a Super Bowl. Uh, the, the first, like, my first five years, we was top five. Like, what you want us to do? You know, in my, fr- my first eight years, we was top ten. I think, I, think, I think out of my 12 years, we slid out the top ten two times, maybe three. <laughs> so, so what the heck are we talking about? Defenses really do win, win championships. So it's going to give the coaching staff to have that kind of defense. It's going to give the coaching staff some breathing room to let these guys develop, whether it's Mr. Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. You know what I like? It's it what what you're kind of talking about. It like people you hear this all the time, and I think it's overdone by the old yins. It's like they they got to run the ball more. Like, well, all right, listen, the rules have changed since 1978. You can't just lean on your running back for 35 carries and expect to win very much. But on the other hand, I do think that the Steelers have this identity, save the one. Tommy Maddox weirdo year, the year before you get there, if I'm not mistaken, that where where it never felt right because it was like, what the hell? Who is this team throwing the ball on every down? Even here in the year of the Lord 2022, the Steelers are still going to try to beat you up, dominate you defensively as much as possible, and then grind you as much as possible. What the limitation is in a world of Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and uh, just a you know a juggernaut. Uh, a bunch of teams with Lamar Jackson and that offense doing it a different way and Joe Burrow and everything else. How far you can take it is going to be really interesting to see, but I am not as pessimistic as it seems a lot of people are. Let's talk about the division um, in general, but but one more thing on the Steelers or, or tangentially. Your old, uh, your old teammate, Le'Veon Bell, his falling out with the Steelers was owed to the fact that he thought in 2015 or 2016, was it, that the Steelers were running him into the ground, that they were giving him, you know, way too many touches in that frigid rain and arrowhead and the divisional round that they survived. And I think he had, what do you have, 38 touches or something like that. He had the bum groin and they said, oh, you're okay to go next week. And he was more skeptical about all that. And he thought 
that they weren't treating him long term, his health uh, fairly or that they that, that they didn't mind using him up to advance in the playoffs. And that's what was owed to the whole guaranteed money versus getting paid out over the full term of the contract. I don't, I, that, that wasn't the case, Shaq. The case, the case was, the case was he felt played. And the reason why he felt played was, dang, I got, I got my own teammates talking about my money. Now, when, when y'all had your opportunity and when y'all contract came up, came around, there is, it's a forbidden rule. You never talk about another man's pocket. So the fact that his offensive lineman was coming out and talking about his pocket, he was like, ain't no way I'm going back. It's like, damn, bro, I thought, first of all, I'm fighting the front office to get this money. And y'all helping the front office, I got to fight y'all too because y'all opening y'all mouth? Nah, so that's a goal, like, that's a golden man law, something you don't talk about when it comes down to another man's money. You don't count his pocket or you don't talk about his money. So that, that was the reason why the Le'Veon Bell didn't go back. The, the bridge was already already burnt for that. I think you're right. I think in the offseason, he was raw. I think he was raw um, around that title game up in Foxborough. I thought that's how he went into the offseason. And I think you're right. I think he was legitimately personally wounded when his teammates started speaking up. And I think at that point, he decided, well, I'm just going to wait until I have to show up um, based on the rules of the tag. And then he and his agent realized wait a second, it's not going to change the the dollar value of the tag anyway. And that it all right. got sideways around that. But the irony of all this is that he didn't want to get used up, but now he's willing to take punches in the head from Adrian Peterson? What the hell? And I'm, uh, I'm going to be there too. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, whose side are you on? Of, of course I'm on. Of course I'm on Le'Veon Bell's side. I mean, for real. You are. Yeah. Who, do, who who are you taking in the fight, though? I'm taking Le'Veon. You are? You think he's he's got what it takes yes. to take down Adrian I would, Peterson? I will be there, and I'm taking Le'Veon. All right. Where is that fight? In L.A.? Yes, in L.A. You should you should come. All right. I'll count me in. Can I be yeah. a corner man? Can I be the cut man? No, you can't be a corner or cut man. We got to sit our butt <laughs> in the stands like everybody else. All right. I'll do that. I, I, I'd love to uh, attend uh, a, a big prize fight like that. Okay. Oh, that's a... Uh, you're going to be out there, huh? Okay, that's fun. Um, now, like I say, you're great at agenting. You just say, don't talk about another man's money, but you happen to do it in a positive way for teammates and beyond. I've, Like I say, I've watched you do it. So, okay, you're suddenly, how do we do this? Are you Lamar Jackson's agent or let's just say you're Lamar Jackson? What are you saying to the Baltimore Ravens right now? Because to me... Given his build and the fact that he finally got got by NFL defenders and got hurt and had to sit out a substantial amount of time a year ago, I would absolutely not be taking the field, even though this team is primed for a big run in 2022. I I, I would say to Bashadi and Harbaugh and everybody, like, you think I'm taking a snap for your team and you haven't guaranteed me long-term money? No chance. How say you? I ain't taking no snap. I ain't even getting on the field. Like, I, I, I stay outside them white lines. That's something I will do. I will show up, but you know what? Y'all, whoever's my backup, y'all need to go in on and get this man some reps because until y'all pay me, I'm, I'm definitely not touching that field. And here's why I'm not touching that field. I'm a former league MVP, one. That's why I ain't touching this field. Name me a Pro Bowl receiver I have had, two. That's why I ain't touching this field. And, they, and everybody 
everybody and their mama was hurt last year. I'm talking about starters. I'm talking about Pro Bowl starters for the Baltimore Ravens. And y'all want me to touch this field? No, I ain't, ain't, I ain't touching this field But because when, when it comes down to being clutch and, and, and y'all wanting me to make a play, who y'all relied on? Y'all didn't rely on y'all defense. Y'all were sharing out Lamar. Haven't you seen me and Coach Harbaugh sit on the sideline and Coach Harbaugh asked me, Lamar, what you want to do? And I said, go for it. And he said, well, go for it, Lamar. Haven't you seen my teammates in the offseason? A couple of weeks ago, they said the energy is a little bit different when I'm around. They're so happy and they're glad. That's why. So until y'all give me me, and me is my money, I'm not getting on that field. Here's the problem, though. And from a PR standpoint, and, and I don't mean like if you're a longtime Ravens fan. From a PR standpoint, they won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer and then showed him the door. That didn't go over in Charles that, that City. Was but historic defense, though. They, them, boys, them boys had, man, a man threw two touchdowns in five games. You I get man. it. I, I know he's not Lamar Jackson. I'm just saying, if you're a Ravens fan, you already are looking at it out of the side of your eye. Like, we already went down this path, and we had a reigning Super Bowl. That's why they couldn't let Flacco go. And I don't think you can let the most exciting player, no matter what. It's not like he's just exciting and is hit and miss in terms of wins and losses. He wins almost Mm -hmm. always, and he does it. And I do think style does matter. I think Andre Agassi was right to some degree that style does matter over substance a little bit. And and you're deluding yourself if you don't think that that matters. Um, but do you think from a football standpoint, that I mean, they have to be thinking like, we're going to have a hard time ever attracting free agent wide receivers as long as we're playing this offense. Um Hollywood that's, Brown's that's, his pal and, and forced his way out a little bit to yeah, get away, not- to get out of that. That's not Lamar's fault. Open the playbook. Like, don't just rely on my legs. Open the playbook and, and give me some progressions. Don't don't just ask for Andrew all the time. Every time I'm in the clutch, I know. Hey, we, we looking for Andrew. Where's the tight end we looking for him? Nah, give me some receivers. Let me open this thing up a little bit. I'm going to have my running back back. I'm going to have my defense well put together. And we're going to be ready to roll. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not – see, see now – the Baltimore Ravens are stuck in a pickle because they won, but with an all-time great defense with, with uh, who was the quarterback? Dilfer. So Dilfer really didn't have to do nothing. All he had to do was show up. Matter of fact, you and I could have played quarterback at some point in time with that defense they had. But then you win another quarterback when Flacco, he just was playing out his mind. I think Flacco did like 15-2 or 15-0. I don't even think he threw an interception in the playoffs. So that's why you had to. That's why you had to play Flacco. Now you get a guy who's a tweener. He's more athletic than Flacco, but he's not as of a passer than Flacco. Of course, he's better than Dilfer all day in America, twenty four seven. Now we're back to this old school Baltimore Ravens defense. We just got the safety from Notre Dame sitting down. So that, that, that's 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 what I'm looking at. Like the Baltimore Ravens, I feel like they always kind of copycatted the Pittsburgh Steelers blueprint. A little bit, but now they have a quarterback who's 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 something you can't teach. You know, you can't teach his talent. All you can do is mold it. So who the heck on the offensive side is going to mold this guy talent, not only to be a runner, but to be a passer as well? Yeah, it's, I, I completely hear you. But by the way, yeah, so these things don't happen in a silo. That is right. Like, they had to sign Flacco, and I'm sure they would certainly take the Lombardi every, uh, you know, the, trade the Lombardi for the next 10 years of even if it was mediocrity. Um, they had to keep Flacco in that spot, but it was informed to some degree by letting Trent Dilfer leave 
And now I wonder how if either one of those situations impacts what they do with Lamar. I do think they get it done. But man, if they think, if Bashadi and Harbaugh, I feel like Harbaugh thinks he's Jedi mind tricking Lamar Jackson. Like, hey, it's up to Lamar. Like, we want to, uh, I think he's trying to like, hey, we need Lamar. But I think they're trying to say the right things. But if Harbaugh were in Lamar's corner, he would say, I, hey, eight. Hey, I wouldn't take the field if I were you. They, you better get paid before you come out here. Guys are trying to hit you, and they weigh 310 pounds, and they're running almost as fast as you are, eight. I wouldn't I'd touch that field. Yeah, but um, I, th- I think Lamar did. He, he's, he's progressed in understanding how to take hits and not taking hits. So that's what I will say. He, he's not like the RG3 or the old school Mike Vicks where them boys was just sometimes, or the Cam Newton's where they just put, just put their shoulder down and, and try to Lamar Lamar not take a hit, which is good on Lamar. So I'm I'm not worried about. I mean, I mean, you you got to understand, Shaq. He's been going against 300 pounders since he was in high school. Then he get to college, some more 300 pounders. Then he gets to the league, some more 300 pounders. So this this ain't nothing new for Lamar to outrun or, or to dodge a duck or to understand. I'm not going to hinder my body or my career by trying to be bold and, and tough and take these hits from linebackers. In, in in a defensive lineman. So well, just to comp- to complete that circle, though, we talked before the Niners Ravens Super Bowl, and I I remember saying to you about that. And even when remember when they tried Sam Bradford running some of that RPO stuff in in Philly in the preseason, and Terrell Suggs lit him up real good for trying it. And I remember I asked Suggs about it. I asked you, and I said, "What do you do if you if you're going against Kaepernick?" And you guys both, and you say mirror images, Raven Steelers, and all that. You guys both had the same answer, and it just sounded like caveman stuff, but it was true. It's like you got to smack that guy early. You hit him hard and break his will from doing that. I do think that Lamar possessed the ability to avoid those hits, but he got got last year, finally, even before he got hurt. They were finally starting to catch him a little bit. I think that's a little bit of a concern if I'm the Ravens long-term, because if you break him and he isn't um, as fast anymore, he does then have to do the Kobe, Michael Jordan mid-career adjustment and become a different style of player than what he was in his early electric days. Now, Deshaun Watson, electric. But a mess. This this contract, two hundred and thirty million. Do you agree with my conspiracy theory, Ike, that as we speak here and and he meets with the the you know the Punisher um, from the NFL, who's going to give him the you know hand down the the um, the the games off and all that kind of stuff. Do you um, agree that Goodell is hearing it from the other 31 ownership groups and saying $230 million guaranteed? We don't guarantee anybody that kind of money, let alone this guy. Do you think that Goodell, hands down, or, you know, the the, the penalizer, is going to hand down a year suspension in part to try and chill any owners from ever handing down a, a, a guaranteed contract uh, on that level again? Nah, cause that's 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 the wave is going, you know. So it's just it is it, his biggest question: Do if he will ever play? Now, my my personal opinion: I think they gonna play. I said they are gonna give him probably eight to ten games. He gonna peel it. It might go down to eight. Everybody else. Oh no about, way! They're gonna start with a year, and maybe they can so, get it down from there. But I don't think he no six or I'm, eight. Just listen to what I'm saying. You ain't let me finish. Babe. All right, go ahead. It's, Agree, it's going to be a year. Then they're going to say, you know what, you can come back halfway through the season. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what it's going to be. Now, the stipulations of his contract is something I don't know. 
check, but I'm I'm glad to see two two forty to be exact total, guaranteed. So hopefully they can figure all this out and see what happens. It is going to be interesting because you know that they want from a PR standpoint the league to say, hey. We're tough on, on on a guy who whose behavior was was this that's out in the light of day, but the NFLPA is not. And of course, my longstanding grudge is with Gene Upshaw and, and D. Smith. I don't think that the players get the level of representation that they should, given that it is the the most collide of all the collision sports. One more team in the AFC North to talk about very quickly. Um, play psychiatrist to Joe Burrow or to the locker room in general in advance of week one. What are you saying to them? Because they had success, unusual success for that organization. They went to a Super Bowl but lost, and now everybody has kissed them into this into this elite group here. What are you saying to them right now if you are uh, in the locker room in week one? No, it's, to, to, it's, to stay focused, number one, you know, first place schedule and all that, expectation, everything else. No, it's, it's, it's – uh... You ain't got to say nothing when you got Joe Burrow. Hmm. Yeah, we, it, Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow is different, Shaq. So that's 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 why when, when you the Cincinnati Bengals, Shaq, you ain't really, you ain't like, the man different, bro. The man hmm. been different from LSU. Um, the man is, he's a whole different vibe. He got a whole different swag. He, he's a, he's a, he's a mixed breed between old and, and new school quarterbacks. It's just, it's just, I'm here. Like Joe, Joe ain't gotta say nothing. That 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 cigar smoking at the end of that uh, championship with LSU, that's epic. But that's Joe. You know, that's the same thing as head coach said. Coach O said, Joe don't go too hard on them cigars, boy. Cause he 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 already knew. So Joe, Joe just different. When you got a guy like Joe, he make coaching easy. He make coaching real easy. So it's it's all Joe Burrow, and they're gonna do the same thing they did last year, this year. So you think? So am I to read that? Is that uh, the team you like best out of the AFC North this year? Is Joe Burrow's uh, Cincinnati yeah, Bengals? Yeah, really? Yeah. Hmm. So they, yeah, they, they, thing they needed to do in the offseason. What was that? Beef up the offensive line. Yeah, well, what, that's exactly they, that they needed to do that, and that's exactly what they did. Joe Burrow got sacked over seventy some times total, including the playoffs. Got sacked over fifty some times total during the regular season, and guess what? He led them to. The Super Bowl. So now you're going to give him an offensive line where he can just really sit back and smoke a one-of-a-kind cigar and sling that thing around? He's going to be all the way good. Yeah, I guess I see. I'm being a cynic because those teams that get to the Super Bowl and they have that magical year, they tend to regress in the following year. I do hear what you're saying, though, and it is hard to put your finger on exactly, but you do buy that Joe Burrow has this certain level of cool and everything's going to work out. He's different, bro. Joe, Joe Burrow is different. And and the other thing, like you say, got to be able to move. That's the slept on aspect of his game. He, he he's not burning you like Michael Vick did in his prime. But man, he can kill you when you turn your back on him on third and eight. He makes that first down. He can get to the sticks and keep the drive alive. He did that continually, and it's vexing if you're on the other defense. Um, last question, Ike, before I let you go, with uh, July Fourth just about here, barbecue. Give me one, two, three, win, play, show. The items you got to have if Ike Taylor is in his favorite barbecue place. What's the order you go in? And don't just say ribs because it's got to be. I don't, but I don't, eat, ribs. I, don't, I don't eat meat. So 
Give me all oh, the Oh, that's sauce. right. What am I talking about? Of course, you don't need Yeah, you're a weirdo. You go into a steak restaurant and order fish. No, yeah, give, give me the sides. Give, give me the mac and cheese. Give me the grains. Give me the cornbread. I'm a side guy. Going on whatever you got on the side. I ain't even worrying about the entree, man. Give me the sides and make sure I have my pies with some ice cream. Other than that, man, I ain't really into it. Fish in a steakhouse. And you would go to a steakhouse all the time. All you would all out in LA, all, always over at Mastro's, eating, eating. But what the, which, which cut of steak did he get? None. He got the fish. He got the soul tonight. Fish all day, baby. <laughs> Weirdo. Uh, all right, listen. What a time. What a time. What a, what a great thing to catch up with. Uh, number two for, like I say, uh, love his work with uh, with Mark Bergen every week. Make sure you track it down. Believe in Steelers, one-of-a-kind cigars. We could go on and on. You know what? Let's go on sooner rather than later and keep the conversation rolling. At some point, if not this month, then at least before week one kicks off. Is yeah, that a deal? Yeah, you got to slide on our show. So we'll see what you're up to in the next couple of weeks so you can slide on the Believe Network show. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I look forward to sitting. I probably won't be, you know, up close to the to the ring with you and Levian and Adrian, but I'll be somewhere like in the cheap seat, nah, way we, up we, high looking down. We're going to rock. We're going to rock. We're going to slay this back to the old network days. We're going to rock. You know how we do. All right, there he is, everybody. One of our all-time favorites, uh, the great Ike Taylor, everyone. What do you think, uh, Eddie Spaghetti. Well, I said a lot of interesting things, and I, I do like what he said, too, about the Bengals. And, you know, obviously you have the team that lose the Super Bowl. There's a bit of that hangover, but you have a quarterback in Joe Burr that everyone seems to trust. And he makes a good point, too. There's like that. Everyone talks about in this day and age, everyone's getting a little bit smarter. And it really shows that how important the offensive line is. And trust me, as a, as a Giants fan, I, I know how important that is. And uh, the Bengals went out and they really did address that. Like It was the, the talk of even the Bengals winning the game. Remember the, the game versus the Titans, like getting sacked double digit times. It's crazy. And they still made it to the Super Bowl, had a chance to win the Super Bowl. So the Bengals fixing their offensive line and really beefing that up. And, and the one weakness is now almost a strength. Uh, Ike is totally right. I mean, that's a, it's a scary team going forward for this season. I agree, and I think Joe Burrow is a long-term great, and I don't think he's suddenly going to fall off the cliff. But as a team, first-place schedule, like I say, you know, the Ravens at minimum are going to be good. The Steelers are intriguing. The The Browns also intriguing, especially we'll see where this Watson suspension comes down um, and which games you get him and which you don't could be a big factor in who wins the division in terms of head-to-head um games i just you know montana and the 49ers missed the playoffs after they won the super bowl the first time if memory serves the patriots i don't know if they made the playoffs after they won that first super bowl against the rams but they obviously didn't go deep into the playoffs it's not a long-term indictment but there is a little bit of a fallback in getting used to success and you know the the tougher schedule and all that so i i, I am not sold and by the way FanDuel. I guess kind of sort of agrees with me because their win total is nine and a half, the exact same as the Baltimore Ravens. I will say here and now the Ravens go over as long as they figure out the Lamar contract situation. In 17 games, I certainly like them to get to double digits. I'm a little more skeptical of the Bengals' ability to do that. And like I said earlier, I think the Steelers um, definitely at minimum go eight and nine come on everybody they, tomlin hasn't had a losing uh season yet do you think he's, he's he's suddenly gonna go seven and ten or worse than that please don't be so pessimistic fanduel.com 
slash minus three is how you bet it. We thank Ike Taylor once again for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to Kibbins in with you in about 24 to 48 hours from now when Kevin Hench makes his weekly appearance here on the show. Until then, for Ike Taylor and Eddie Spaghetti and everybody at the Extra Points Network, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>